0: Hey y'all, welcome to the Roots of Change podcast. I'm Sam Chavez, founder of the Roots of Change Agency and Curious Human. Here, we connect with people who are boldly creating change in today's social, political, tech, and media landscapes. We also have a newsletter where we get to the roots of how to cultivate social change. Find us and subscribe at rootschangemedia.com. Thanks for joining us, let's get into it. Hey y'all. Um, we are back at Roots of Change with uh, my partner, actually, Emily Mitnick. Um, she is the founder of Nellie Labs and the 8th House, and she is a social healing practitioner and people development specialist. Um, welcome, Emily.
1: Hey, Sam. Thanks
0: for having me. I'm excited to be here,
1: and I'm like, yes, I finally made it. <laughs>
0: Yes, <laughs> we we have all of these conversations offline, so we figured it would be a good time to finally bring our brains together because um, there's a lot of you know chaos in our world and you are really focused on somatic healing and um, mental health and mental well-being through these uncertain times. And I'm very much more about like how we communicate and how we message towards change. And I really wanted to kind of bring our brains together to kind of meet in this moment of uncertainty, especially on the world stage with Israel and Gaza right now. So can you tell us a little bit more about your work and kind of what that means for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there's not only chaos, but there is just
0: Immense
1: grief and pain, yeah. and um, at least in the Western world, um, we're not super comfy with those things, generally speaking. Um, and so, there is so much opportunity, I think, in the realm of uh, you know how we're communicating about these things and how we are um, experiencing them and feeling them. Yeah, my work. Um, As Sam mentioned, I am a social healing practitioner and um, I wear a lot of hats under that role. Um, And so sometimes I show up as uh, an embodied leadership coach within organizations. And I also support um, employees within organizations around embodied conflict transformation. I support organizations um, through people development consulting as well, helping them build processes and programs that are uh, centered around um, well being. Mm-hmm. Um, and more recently, I've been feeling called to, um, work with individuals outside of organizations, uh, primarily in a mindful somatic coaching capacity. Um, and for the record, uh, the word somatic simply means of the body. So when we're talking about somatics, we're talking about, um, body-oriented modalities. And um, Sam, maybe you can help with this as we move through our conversation. I know that we're very familiar with that word, but um, I will try to be cognizant of it if I am speaking about somatics um, and something seems like um, it needs further explanation. Just flag it, please.
0: And, And somatics is like kind of a buzzword it feels like or it's it's coming more into the mainstream and people are recognizing it which is good but then it also seems like there's some misconceptions Mm. misunderstandings in a western culture yeah
1: um i think I'm struggling in this moment to sort of land on a specific misconception around body-oriented work. I see that happening with therapy and language of therapy as it moves into the mainstream. Um, and definitely, um, yeah, the the weaponization of terms like boundaries, gaslighting, um, and uh, trauma as another concept um, being this, <laughs> you know being misused um and also like misunderstood that's the sort of generous perspective um but in terms of somatics i think there's like um not always an understanding of um the depth and power of somatic healing work Mm. um the you know i think many of us have heard the term the body keeps the score um it also happens to be the name of a book that I like do not want to promote because it's not a trauma-informed book um if you want to read a trauma-informed book uh like pick up my grandmother's okay. hands by Resmaa Menachem right like we can come up with a whole list potentially of, of trauma-informed books about trauma the body keeps the score is not, but the expression the body keeps the score is a is a really powerful one. And our bodies are um, a source of so much important information about um, you know our needs and whether they're being met or not. For example, which is like a pretty big thing when it comes to you know, navigating the world. Is
0: and that one's a really interesting one because. You know, we've talked about the in Western cultures, the divide between the mind and the body and how our culture is very mind focused. And I think like in my own journey, the idea of somatics like kind of being the guide and telling the truth has been a wild thing for me to to take into and know that like, yeah, when my body's sending me a signal, that there's a reason for that. Um mm-hmm. and, and trusting that versus pushing back against the idea of not listening to our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I was sarcastically thinking like what a concept, right? (laughs) Like listening to a signal from your body. I mean, yeah, we, my work, my, my work in somatics, um, I should back up and and mention that um, the framework that I use is a relational framework. So mm-hmm. everything that I do in my work is considered um, through the lens of relationships. And by virtue of existing, we are in relationship with everyone everything, every environment around us. And to me, that's pretty remarkable. I'm like, Oh, wow, like, what can we learn about relationships, and Mm -hmm. how we relate to relating by just looking at how we are in relationship with an object in our space, right, like a person in our orbit, like, it's really, it's really fascinating. Um, and I am drifting here, so let me pull myself back. Um, but yeah, with this idea of listening to your body, and in 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 you know many Western cultures, right? It's like mind over body, right? Literally like mind
0: over matter, which is like um, combating or like a a taking over. Like it's a very militarized term.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's like a real violence in it. Um, but we come into the world um, embodied, mm-hmm. connected to our bodies. Our bodies, the reason why um, our bodies hold so much powerful information is because they're our first source of language. Mm. And around the time we start, most of us start to develop verbal language um, you know that is not obviously the case for everybody. not everybody is a verbal language person. Um we begin to sever our mm-hmm. our connection to body. Um, and it becomes unacceptable to be embodied in really? in many ways and in many. I mean, let's just think about, like, school. I mean, it's been a minute since I was in elementary school, but, I mean, I remember, like, raising my hand. can I go to the bathroom? Right. Like, it is so, as an an adult who is, like, immersed in this work as a practitioner and also as um, a student, always and like somebody who is going through the process of healing that's mind blowing
0: right because you're so young and you're being taught not to trust your own instincts over an exterior force which is your teacher in this instance
1: yeah yeah um yeah, you know, and like there, there is I use I, I when I was referring to the breaking of the connection between mind and body, I use the term violence, which I know can be a really like, ooh, ooh like, you know, like uncomfortable world word um, for folks, but I want to, you know, make sure that we know that we're talking about, like, you know, violence exists on a spectrum. Mm -hmm. And on one end of the spectrum, we have, like, the grating of sandpaper, like, eh, you know? Somebody, like, kind of, like, rubbing us the wrong way, like, Mm -hmm. right? And then on the other side, we have, like, atrocities and, you know, these really big, very, like, can't be missed, um, examples of violence but yeah there is violence in like an adult using their power over um someone who doesn't wield as much power right and saying like no you can't do this very natural thing Mm -hmm. and so then like what happens over the course of time and why i am so oh, this work just feels so juicy. And especially in a moment, um, like a global moment that we're in right now is because what happens is the child is denied. And when we are babies and children, we are utterly reliant on others for our survival, right? So the child has to trade in their authenticity, which is their bodily need right for connection right can't make my teacher upset
0: survival essentially
1: exactly yeah Mm -hmm. um you know and safety right that's part of part of survival and so then what happens is um when these messages get repeated when the child raises their hand again i have to go to the bathroom and they you know can't go we're like oh fine you know um the message is, don't show up in that way. And so this need, right, is just press down and press down and press down. Mm-hmm. But the need still exists. And so that's when we start to see different behaviors pop up. Um, you know, in adulthood, in teenagers and you know and ultimately when we extrapolate that um, and then you know we look at communities, populations, you know systems mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. and I talk about systems a lot um, yeah, we see um, we see these cycles of harm perpetuated
0: yeah. Well, and what I really love about your example is the childhood aspect of it because like because of what you just described, like those power dynamics, that I think another piece to the mind-body connection that I've been really playing with in my work is the storytelling angle, is the creativity. And what came up for me when you were talking was how in our societies, in Western culture, within these harmful systems, we view like emotions, heart first, all of that to be weakness or to be primitive. And the idea of like mind over matter, you know, mind over body is essentially saying like, mind is superior to our emotions in our body. Um and so when we when we as a society have that then we are not allowing ourselves to have that childlike joy to have that creativity and in my opinion to frankly be a human um so like i'd love for to hear your perspective on that but then also kind of dig into what does that do to us as a society when that continues to happen
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I'm just I'm noticing the um the weight of that question. Mm-hmm. Um not because the question itself is weighty, but because it I just had this image of like this giant metal thick black metal slab just going like Whoa. I'm just mm. depressing, suppressing, repressing, oppressing.
0: Yeah. Wow. um
1: So that's what happens, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm cutting ourselves off from body, um, like you said, we're also cutting. We're like severing our relationship with love creativity joy um and yeah these other really juicy parts of like yeah what it is to be a human so i think you captured it beautifully in in what you said um And then the second part of your question was like, what does this mean? How does this play out in society? So back to the classroom, the kid is denied and gets, let's say systematically denied. Mm -hmm. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. Okay, no. So, and that's the other thing. Like, it's not just like, if anybody out there is listening and has said like I don't know maybe you're a teacher and you've told a kid like you can't go to the bathroom right now it's like we're talking about patterns that mm-hmm. happen yeah. right it's like we're human we are going to collide with one another we are going to show up imperfectly the point of this is not that we have to be perfect humans right it's like having awareness of our patterns right so is really important so. When the kid starts getting cut off from body, there's also a getting cut off of my sense of humanity, right? Right. And then ultimately we think about like this happening with a population. This isn't just happening to one child. It's happening to every child to some degree. Um, And these children are growing up. And what do you think they do when they come into contact with one another? Someone whose humanity has been denied, denies humanity to others. Right. And when we see this happening on like a broad scale, then there's the answer to your question about, you know, how does this play out
0: on a societal level? I appreciate that clarity um, because I think that is a big piece of what people individually are trying to figure out is like, how much of this is my own work? Um, Our mental health and healthcare system are not strong, uh, at least in the United States. And, Mm -hmm. um, and then how do we do this in community and how do we build back community that has been lost Um, and, and not to end too much on a cliffhanger um, because we do have to, go and um, we are going to resume this next week Um, but I just wanted to kind of offer you some a chance just to to share some insights before we pick up this conversation again next week in the meantime what what can you leave people with to kind of think and take with them into this week I think
1: um one thing to to chew on um is uh, thinking about moving more slowly and, um, you know, make it a point once a day to just ask your body how it's doing. And like, if you notice, you have to go to the bathroom when you are on a call or um, writing or whatever, just like meeting that need, Um, eating when eating when we're hungry. Um, (laughs) resting when we're tired um these are um sort of like micro um yeah just micro moments of of happy you know checking in with body um yeah i'm just realizing that there's like i'm like oh there's so much that i could share but i think i'm just gonna pause
0: pause there i appreciate that And that's a wrap on this week's The Roots of Change podcast. This episode was produced by the Roots of Change agency and Did You Know? Production and outreach support by Britt Holmes and Brian Wolf. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We are a 100% listener supported newsletter and podcast. If you like what you heard, consider giving us a follow, subscribing to our newsletter or donating to support our work. The Roots of Change Agency was founded to support organizations, campaigns, and activists to avoid burnout and tell empathetic stories to cultivate connections that empower social change. Until next time.